In this episode, McKinsey style case walkthrough, I, Jenny Ray, an ex-Bain consultant, interview a ex-McKinsey consultant, Lisa. In this interview, you'll see how a McKinsey consultant takes a big topic where we talk about iced coffee and the future of the industry and a specific company that's a player and makes it simple by breaking down an initial framework and then applying that framework as we go through different problem solving exercises inside the case. Whether you're interested in doing case interviews for a job or you're just interested in understanding a little bit more about strategy, we're glad that you've joined us. Let's jump in. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being willing to walk through what a McKinsey expert looks like when they're on camera. No pressure, no pressure. Yeah, none at all. <laughs> um, what we're walking through today is a McKinsey style case. Um, it has six total parts, but of course, as you know, there may be little rabbit trails that happen along the way, a couple of exhibits, which we'll be able to use as we go through. And um, overall, what we're just looking for is your overall process. How do you think through what the issues are? How do you structure it? How do you write down your notes? How do you kind of do the key takeaways? Mm -hmm. And um, so without further ado, we'll just dive through it. And then at the end, we'll have a little bit of a chance to talk through it. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. So our client is a company called Beverage Company. McKinsey always makes the most exciting names, you yes. know? <laughs> beverage Company is a top five beverage producer in the United States, and they've approached us for help in designing a product launch strategy. Okay. As an integrated beverage company, Beverage Company, right, mm -hmm. leads its own brand design, marketing, and sales efforts. In addition, the company owns the entire beverage supply chain, which includes distribution to retail outlets, production of concentrates, and bottling and packaging. Okay. They have a considerable number of brands across both non-carbonated and carbonated drinks, 10 total bottling plants around the world, including the U.S., and distribution agreements with most major retailers. Bevco is evaluating the launch of a new product now, a prepackaged iced coffee drink called Power Up. Power Up comes in five different flavors, including one option that has a reduced sugar content compared to most other prepackaged iced coffee. The company expects the new beverage to capitalize on the recent trend toward flavored coffee drinks. And it has an objective to reach $4 million in profit in its second year of operations. Not by the end, but actually in. Uh, Bevco's vice president of marketing has asked us to help analyze the major factors surrounding the launch of PowerUp and its own internal capabilities to support the efforts. Do you have any questions about the background? Um, yes, I think I caught most of it. I just want to recap and make sure I got the main gist of, um, of the case. Sounds good. Um, I loved iced coffee, by the way, so this will be an interesting one. Oh, good. Um, so we've got beverage company, yep. very specific. Um, they're a top five uh, beverage manufacturer located in the U.S., I believe you said? Yeah, headquarters are in the U.S. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, are they um, interested? Do they sell overseas They all? do. Yeah, they have okay. bottling plants and sales overseas. Mm -hmm. Oh, they do. Okay. All right. Let me just write that down. Okay. Um, and so they... They pretty much, they're looking at a product launch. They own what I would say the end-to-end -end process of this whole thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. All the way from production, um, the concentrates, the bottling, packaging, all the way through marketing, sales, distribution, That's et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, they currently, so one question I had, they don't currently sell any iced coffee. This is sort of a new segment exactly. for them. Mm -hmm. Okay. They do sell a lot of other drinks. Okay. Not yeah, I meant you said two different types of products that they offer. I yep. think it was carbonated. They segment them into carbonated and non-carbonated. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and I think, and then when you talked about this, they're looking to launch this new product. It's called Power Up. 
Um, it's did I catch this right? It's a pre-packaged iced coffee drink. So am I thinking about it right? Like the the Starbucks individual bottles exactly. is what they're looking to produce. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and is that product kind of done already, or is it formulated, or that's something that they want to figure out as well? Yeah. Um, it hasn't been formulated, so they haven't really done the R and D on it. They're just first of all identifying whether there's a market potential okay. for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Understood. And then um, just so I'm clear in terms of what our client's objective is. Um, they're looking to reach $4 million of profit in year two. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So not at the end of year two, kind of they're, they're giving themselves one year to launch it in the second year is where they want to make sure that they're profitable. Mm -hmm. And they want to know, um, what are all the factors? Uh, let me just write this down here. So factors to consider Mm -hmm. and they want to decide whether or not like a yes or no in terms of launching this product yep. mm-hmm. and the factors that they would need to consider in their strategy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I think those are all the questions I have for right now. Do you mind if I take a moment to kind of structure out how I'd approach this? Take as long as you need. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. Lisa took just under two minutes to build her structure for this case. All right. Um, I think I have an approach uh, laid out that I want to take for this case. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Since our client is beverage company and they're trying to determine whether or not they should launch this new iced prepackaged iced coffee drink, uh, there's a few main areas I'd like to look into or questions I'd like to answer, have answered Great. Um, to determine if this is a good idea for them. And then, you know, if this is if it is a good idea, the strategy that they should use. Great. So first, I'd like to evaluate the overall coffee and specifically the iced coffee market to determine if that's an attractive market for them to get into or not. I think that's a major question we need to answer. Um, Also, I'd like to look at um, Beverage Company in more detail and look at their capabilities um, to actually do this since this is a new new category for them. Um, I want to look a little bit closer at Power Up. Um, So from a formulation perspective and looking at the financials, is this the product they should be launching? And then lastly, I'd like to understand... um, what kind of consumers we're going after so we can design our marketing and our distribution strategy to go after them. So as I look at the iced coffee market or the coffee market in general, I want to understand the overall size of this market, whether or not it's growing, what are the major trends. Um, So we mentioned there's like a trend towards lower sugar content, maybe more healthy drinks. Um, So I think we, we need to get some information there. Also, I'd like to look at who are their key competitors in this space. I know this is a growing market. There's a lot of competitors that offer um, this sort of drink. So who are they? What kind of market share do they have? Do they have different niches that they focus on? Um, Whether or not they're profitable, et cetera. Um, I'd take next moving on to beverage company. Um, I'd like to look at their branding. Does this fit with their current brand or not in terms of the other portfolio of drinks that they offer? Um, also their financing capability, uh, in order to do this, it seems like there's going to require some investment. Um, and then I really want to focus on their operations. Can they actually execute this? Do they have the, the capabilities and the capacity necessary to make this happen? Um, so you mentioned they have a lot of different functions. So if they were to offer a new product, obviously all those functions are going to have to adjust. Um, so manufacturing, mm. distribution, sales, et cetera. Um, and then also, uh, if they can't, you know, is partnering with someone, um, or like a JV or something like that also in scope or just in-house, um, looking at power up, um, I'd like to look at, uh, how this fits within their portfolio. I kind of mentioned that a little bit in the company bucket. Um, but how this fits within their portfolio of, uh, 
drinks that they offer. Will this cannibalize any of their other sales? Um, if they're a large beverage manufacturer, that could be an issue. Um, also, like the packaging, the formulation, what does this look like from an R&D perspective? What I'd really like to do, though, is do a financial analysis and really determine um, the revenues and the costs associated with PowerUp. Okay. So we can calculate maybe a break-even point, return on investment to really determine if this is financially a good decision and will it hit their $4 million target that they're looking for. And if all that looks good, looking at the consumers, what they want, who is our target, and we can figure out how to design our marketing distribution to go after those different customer segments. Um, so I think those are the main areas I'd like to investigate. Um, so I think the most important would be starting with the market and understanding if it's an attractive market to get into or not. So do we have any information on you know, the size of the market, growth trends, anything like that? Um, Lisa, I do have some information on that. In fact, I've got some visuals that I'll oh, show great. you. All right, so um, first of all, I just wanna give you this exhibit. I want you to take a look at it and tell me what you see, what your kind of key insights are from the exhibit. Okay, so um, I've got two exhibits here. I'm just gonna look at these each individually. So we've got the US ice coffee market. Um, which is a 6.4 billion gallon market. Um, and there's looks like there's two segments within that. So we have prepackaged iced coffee and then other. Okay. So our client is looking to get in the prepackaged iced coffee segment, which represents 5% of the overall market. So pretty small as a part of the larger, broader iced coffee market. Yep. Um, and then what is, other, what do you think, what's in the rest of that? So if it's not prepackaged, what are you? That's what I'm wondering. So within this other category, if you have any information on that, that'd be great. But um, I'm assuming this would be iced coffee sold at places like Starbucks um, or maybe you could make it at home. So it's like the concentrate that you can purchase in the, in the grocery store. Um, maybe in larger volumes, not like an individual pre-pack. Mm -hmm. um, are there any other key areas within that other category? No, I think most of it would probably be, like you said, you know, especially on the retail side. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely like the Starbucks and things like that. Yep. Okay. So overall, they're going after a pretty small percentage of the overall market. So there might be some opportunity to look at alternatives and not just looking at the pre-pack, but since that's what we're evaluating, we'll take a look at that. Um, one thing that I'm curious, it's a small market, but I wonder if it's growing. So if we have any information on maybe the growth of these different segments, yep. that might be helpful. Oh, so the, okay. um, the other iced coffee market is projected to grow at about 7% across the next five years. And then the prepackaged iced coffee market is projected to grow at about 2%. Oh. Um, over the team, okay. over the, yeah, sorry, uh, same time frame. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting because, um, it's a small market and not growing that quickly. So overall, it seems like the opportunity there might not be really attractive, but I think we'll have to look at the numbers and see how that plays out in terms of can they hit Sounds the target. Um, so that's my thoughts on the first one. The second exhibit here, we've got the prepackaged iced coffee market by brand name. Okay, so we've got the different brands. We have Robux, which is at 15%, the Ice Cafe at 10%, and then we have Other. Um, would it be safe to assume that all the other ones are smaller than 10%, so they're even smaller than those two main I think players. that's a reasonable assumption. Yep. Okay. So it looks like this market is quite fragmented. So we have two major players. Even I mean, they're major players, but they're still not that large, 10 and 15% respectively. Um, and so given that we're a number, we're a number five beverage producer, um, I think we have to know more about this market in terms of you know who owns Robux and Ice Cafe and see... Um, if they are larger than us, um, you know, is this market growing, barriers to entry, things like that, to really determine 
um, how possible this might be um, and whether or not they're profitable. Um, so I think those are some areas we can investigate. It seems like it could be an opportunity given that it's quite fragmented, but like I said, it is kind of a small market and growing slowly. Um, what kind so of calculations would you want to do to actually, you know, make that, that or head us in the, in the direction of one of the decisions? So mm. our, our main objective was to hit 4 million of profit in year number two. Um, so I think I'd like to understand to hit that 4 million, how much would we need to sell? Um, in order to hit the 4 million and if that's reasonable or not. Okay. So, um, you're right on target with what our client would like. They've actually asked us to determine what share of the prepackaged iced coffee market they would need to capture to reach their profit target in year two. Um, very specifically the prepackaged iced coffee market. Okay. Um, and so basically how would you calculate that? And is there any additional data that you would need? So we want to calculate what share of the prepackaged iced coffee market um, required to reach 4 million profit in year two. That's right. Mm -hmm. So just on an annual basis, basically. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's see. What I'd like to do is, well, first we need to calculate the, so we have the market size in terms of volume. So what I'd like to do is calculate the volume that we need to reach 4 million of profit. Okay. And then um, to get to market share, I also need to know the size of the market. So then if I had the size of the prepackaged iced coffee market, so size of market, if I had those two things, I could then take the volume, our volume, divided by the market volume, that would give us our market share. So that's my overall approach. All right, so let me just start with um, the size of the market since I have information there already, and then we'll get to the volume that we need. Sounds so good. the size of the market is 6.4 billion gallons. Billion gallons. And specifically, the prepackaged iced coffee market is 5% of that. So I need to take 5% uh, multiplied by the 6.4 billion gallons. So 10% would be 640 million. So 5% or half of that would get me to 320 million gallons. Sounds is, like a lot of gallons. That is it? a lot of gallons. <laughs> that is a lot. Um, so that's the size of the pre-pack iced coffee market. However, it's still pretty small relative to the overall iced coffee market. Okay, so now I need to calculate the volume that we need to reach 4 million. So what I want to do is approach this kind of like a break-even calculation, except I'm going to set this equal to 4 million equals uh, price minus variable cost times X minus fixed cost. So basically the break-even formula, but trying to reach 4 million of profit. Um, so I don't have any of that. Do we have any of that information in terms of the price that we might charge, the variable cost associated with it, or the fixed cost associated with this as well on an annual basis? Sure. So um, the price we're estimating we would sell it to each retailer for $2.49, $2.49. Okay. Um, we estimate that each bottle would cost $2.29 to produce and deliver in our newly established process. Um, and that it would be about $60 million in annual fixed costs, which includes marketing um, and increased costs to set up new distribution and production. Okay. 
And that's total fixed cost in terms of there's no total new fixed costs. New fixed costs. Yeah. So okay. there would be some other fixed costs that would would potentially be able to be utilized, but anything incremental. Incremental. Is okay. In that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. So I kind of have the formula laid out already. So let me just um, calculate this. So we have four million equals so twenty cents is our margin per bottle. Um, and we've got 60 million. So we need to cover 60 million of fixed cost, plus we need 4 million of profit. So it gives us 64 million in total yep. that we need. When are you assuming, so if you're doing that, when are you assuming that the actual like break even point would happen in year two? Um, sorry, what, can you clarify your question? Yeah, so so um, if you're assuming that we reach the 4 million and then we spend the 60 million, um, are you assuming that the break-even point happens at the beginning, in the middle, and the end of year two? When in, when in particular? It would be end of year two because they've got to cover all of that fixed cost and then get the profit is what I would okay. assume. So um, they're getting – given that it's 64 in total to cover the fixed cost is a large portion of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're looking at quite a ways to break even, I would yep. say. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we've got $64 million and that equals – uh, 20 cents times X. So 64 million divided by 20 cents. Um, so that would be basically 20% of 64, uh, 64 million. So 10% would get me, let me see here. So 64 million divided by 20 cents. So divided by 10 cents, that would give me 640 million. Uh, and we're in bottles here. And then half, um, we're dividing by 20, so half of that would be 320 million bottles is what we would need to hit the 4 million profit mark. All right, so we have 320 million bottles is what is required. And then we have 320 million gallons is our market size. So, um problem here is these two are in different units. So do we have any information on how, I'm assuming that you'd have more bottles per gallon. So how many bottles per gallon this would, the um, ratio would be? Absolutely. So um, it'll launch in a 16 ounce presentation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one bottle is 16 ounces. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know there's 128 ounces per gallon. How'd you know that? Uh, memory. <laughs> well, very good. Yes. So we've got 128 ounces in a gallon. And then, so we have 16 over 128. Um, let's see here. I believe that would be, so divide each by two. So we get eight over 50, that'd be 64. Eight over 64, so one eighth. Okay. So one bottle is equal to one-eighth of a gallon. All right. So I need to figure out how many bottles. So there's eight bottles in a gallon. So to get to number of gallons, I need to divide that by eight. So 320 um, divided by eight gives me 40. So I have 40 million bottles over three, or sorry, 40 million gallons divided by 320 million gallons. So now I get 40 over 320. So that's four over 32, which is one eighth. One eighth, um, one fourth is 25%. So one eighth would be 12.5% of the market. Okay, 
So we need to capture 12.5% of the market to hit our target of $4 million of profit in year two. It's in year two. Okay, so let me look back at this chart here um, and kind of put this 12.5% in perspective. So we have, we would kind of be coming in in between Robux and Ice Cafe. So we're right in the middle. So we'd be the number two player in this market. And then keeping in, in mind that we're the number five beverage producer. So I think um, that's a that's a fair chunk of the market at 12.5%, especially given that we're number five, um, top five beverage producer in the US. So I think what, honestly, you know, I, I don't know if that's achievable or not. So I think we need to get some more information to determine whether or not that's an achievable number for our client to reach. Um, so I think... What to, kinds of information? Yeah, to do that, I think I'd like to get some information on, um, you know, the overall, what has been the history of new entrants in this market? Um, how long have Robux and Ice Cafe been in this particular market? How long did it take them to get that kind of market share, whether or not they're even profitable? So if Ice Cafe is profitable at 10%, um, you know, it might suggest that our cost structure is a little bit high if mm -hmm. we're not profitable at that point. Um, who owns them? You know, if they're the top two beverage manufacturers and we're coming in at number five, it might be kind of hard to compete. And we have to look at the competitive response and what they're going to do as a result of that. Um, and our own marketing efforts, um, you know, whether or not we've ever achieved 12.5% in any market uh, is something that we need to understand in terms of do we have that capability. Um, but in addition to that, I think we've got some other... So overall, I would say it could be achievable. I'd say it's pretty aggress aggressive given that we're number five and we're trying to become number two. And that's just to make $4 million of profit. So overall, I don't think that looks the most attractive. Um, so let me just write down, let me just kind of summarize that here. So we've got, it's kind of a small, this particular market is a small market. It's 5% of the total. It's kind of growing slowly at 2%. And we would need 12.5% to hit the target. And we are the number five player. Need We need to be number two in order to hit our target. Yep. Okay. But I've also got some other interesting data points here um, that I just want to take a quick look at. So we now have a price point. Let me just write a couple of these down here. So we have a price point of 249 and that's price to the retailer. And we now have a margin of, I believe it's 20 cents on a price of 249. Mm -hmm. And we've also, what else did we calculate? We need 320 million bottles to be sold. So I think there's some interesting data points that we might want to take a look at. So the price of the retailer at $249, I'd want to benchmark that to maybe Robux or Ice Cafe and see if that's in line or not, if we're overpriced. Um, my initial sense, I drink iced coffee all the time. I can usually buy a prepack iced coffee for that or a little bit less. So the fact that they're selling it to the retailer, that seems a bit high. Um, so price, I would want to verify that by benchmarking it, but... That's kind of my initial thought. And what what do you think having a higher than average price might mean for them in terms of their goals here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if Robux and Ice Cafe are priced lower than that, um, unless we have some significant selling point 
uh, to charge a higher amount, like if it's all natural or everything, it we might have a hard time competing in this market and gaining market share. Um, also, we've got the margin at twenty cents. Um, twenty cents at a in a price of two forty nine. So, and that's the gross margin. So that is less than ten percent. It's around uh, it's around six percent or so. Um, I'm not an expert in the beverage market, but I'm going to guess and say that six percent or so as a gross margin is pretty bad. Okay. I'd want to benchmark that again to Robux and Ice Cafe, maybe some of our own internal products, if, if that's an acceptable gross margin. But my guess is the gross margin uh, is very low at six uh, percent. How'd you get the six percent? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's twenty cents out of two forty nine. So 10% would have been um, about 25-ish cents. So it's a little bit more, a little bit more than 6%, maybe about 7 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think that's a pretty low gross margin. Usually as a manufacturer, you want something closer in the 20 30 40% gross margin and then take out your fixed cost. Yep. Um, okay, so that's in terms of gross margin. And then I mentioned also we calculated the volume, which is 320 million bottles. There's a lot of bottles of iced coffee. It's about one per person in the U.S. Um, I think that what I'd like to do there is maybe look at what our total volume is that we sell. We're a number five beverage manufacturer. So what percentage change would that be in terms of our operations? So if that's a 2% bump in our operations, it's not too significant, um, but it could be a 50% increase, in which case it's a lot of risk um, for this one particular product. So do we have the capability, the manufacturing capacity, et cetera, to, to hit that number? Um, so overall, I think based on this, it's not looking too favorable um, at this point. Just what other information would we want, Lisa, to try to help drive it home? Um, I mean, the thing is, is that if they could sell a lot, if there's a lot of demand in this market, even though it's kind of a smaller market growing slowly, if they could capture that kind of market share, um, it, I mean, they can hit their target if they can reach that 12.5%. Um, so I think I, understanding demand and consumers and kind of their behavior a little bit more might help us um, determine if that's a good opportunity or not. Okay, so Lisa, we actually um, commissioned a market research study, and um, this is focused on helping to identify whether or not it's going to make sense to launch the new Power Up product Mm -hmm. um, if they want to proceed with the launch. So I've got some data as the results from this. Okay. Um, Now, just let me highlight in the data, as I was reviewing it, I um, noticed that the numbers didn't actually add up to 100%. Okay. This first one is a 100% bar chart, so it represents 100% of the market broken down um, into the different uh, current competitors that are in the market. And then the second one focuses on the channels. Okay. Um, and um, the channels are basically, you know, iced coffee plus all of the other beverages as well. Okay. So um, so in case you can't read those numbers, just ask me about okay. those. Okay. All right, great. So let me just kind of look at these two charts individually. So the first one says identify product X with either leisure, healthy, natural, or energy booster. Yep. Mm-hmm. And just so I'm clear, these are segments within the broader ice coffee market or within the specific they're actually segments inside the pre-pack market okay. in particular mm-hmm. okay so they're pre-pack segments yep. and that makes sense given that the two main competitors are the main competitors from before exactly okay mm-hmm. um so let's take a look here so we've got within the leisure segment it looks like the main player is ice cafe so 75 percent 
of the market or the leisure drink market is kind of in the mind of the consumer as ice cafe is the main player. The healthy natural drink market um, that looks like that one's quite fragmented. Mm -hmm. So we've got the two main players only making up 30%, but 70% of the market um, is other smaller players from this category over here that we have. Um, and then the energy booster market, that one is sort of dominated by Robux. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So looking at this, if we think about how we'd want to brand um, Power Up, it looks as if the leisure drink market and the energy booster market are both sort of uh, already taken up by the two main competitors. Um, what's interesting, though, is that I'm just thinking about the name of our drink. It's called Power Up which kind of sounds like an energy booster type drink. Totally does. Um, so I wonder if, you know, in terms of the naming and branding, going after more of a healthy, natural drink uh, might be easier to capture market share considering there's no one that sort of dominates that market yet. Um, so we might have to look at sort of rethinking the branding. Okay. So um, rethink brand. But there is an opportunity in that healthy, natural drink which is space. Good, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, so while not ideal, because um, we're already called Power Up, we can adjust that since the formulation isn't set. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that also works well because I believe earlier in the prompt, um, you mentioned that it was reduced sugar content as there well. There is one option of the one five option. that okay. we have that is reduced sugar content. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's possible that we want to look at maybe doing all of them as a reduced sugar for branding all of them as a healthy natural drink. So we might have to look at the product more closely in terms Great. of what we'd want to launch. Okay, um, so moving on to the next exhibit, it says, I would buy beverage X in. Okay, so we've got other beverages as one category, and then we have the iced coffee market. And they're buying them in either supermarkets, convenience stores, coffee shops, or this other category. Okay, so um, when it says other beverages, um, I'm assuming that would be kind of beverage companies. Typical product portfolio. Exactly. That's, okay. That includes their carbonated, non-carbonated drinks, everything outside of the iced coffee market. So that's, and okay. the bottom one is not just pre-packed iced coffee. That's actually Total all iced, iced coffee. coffee. Yep. Mm. Okay. Um, so as I look at this, it looks like the other beverages category, this would kind of give us our distribution channel breakdown. So BevCo's um, breakdown versus the iced coffee market. Do we know um, if the iced coffee market, the pre-packed iced coffee market, I'm assuming could be different than this because, um, like, for example, coffee shops are probably selling more of the typical retail. Yeah. Um, it could be, um, but that that is the only information that we were really able to garner at this point in okay. the market. So let's look at this based on this as kind of being the typical breakdown, okay. but mm -hmm. realizing that we might want to do some more nuanced analysis sure. to kind mm -hmm. of break down the prepack market if that's different. Um, so let's take a look at the difference between these two. I think what I'd like to do is kind of do a comparison of – where beverage company currently sells versus where they would need to sell um, if they were to enter this new segment. So it looks like supermarkets is kind of where our stronghold is at the moment. Um, and, you know, 30% of iced coffee is still sold through there, so it's a sizable piece. But the other three segments is where it gets a little bit different. Um, this other category is about the same, but the major difference here is in this coffee shop category. So we're only 10% sold in coffee shops versus 40% in um, with iced coffee. So what that tells me is the distribution channels are going to be significantly different um, if we were to enter this particular market. So 
either we could kind of focus on where we our current distribution channels. However, that means we're going after a smaller portion of the iced coffee market. Mm-hmm. We're not addressing some of these other areas. Or we would need to spend maybe more fixed costs to go after that. Unless that's already included. Is that included in the fixed costs from earlier? We haven't actually thought this far. So we've thought about distribution in terms of getting it to those places, but not the agreements or the relationships. Okay. So what that tells me is there's probably higher fixed costs required. So I think, so the branding seems like there's an opportunity there, but we have an issue with distribution channels. There is a good opportunity to leverage um, what we currently have in supermarkets and convenience stores and some of the other places, but 40% 40% of the market is sort of untapped at the moment. Um, so I think that's a little bit concerning. So I think we have a couple more points to say this might not be the best um, the best launch. Let's say we did want to focus on, you know, essentially what is 50% of the market that we really don't have great exposure to mm-hmm. right now, which is that coffee shop segment and the other segment. How would we actually, what are some ways that you can think of that we could tackle building distribution Um, relationships inside those markets. Mm. Well, I think we definitely have to prioritize which kind of, of customers we want to go after, not consumers as the end consumer, but within that, are there, it could be that there's, you know, one big coffee chain, let's say it's Starbucks, for example, that we'd want to sell through Mm -hmm. um, in those coffee shop channels. That could be a good opportunity. Do you think that would be a good Um, opportunity? Just as a question. Potential. The thing is we're selling those, pre-pack, which is different. Um, so I think if we were to go after those markets, but I'm just thinking Starbucks, they do have like the pre-pack um, iced coffee, but it's usually their ours. brand. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking that is concerning, but there might be some um, in their like hmm, smaller coffee shops that they make their own coffee, but they don't want to deal with the bottling and everything. So I think it'd be a much smaller section of that. But if we wanted to do that, I think there's a couple things we'd want to consider. Um, so one is sort of the attractiveness of those different of those different uh, coffee shops or other. I'm thinking this might be um, like small cafes and things like that. So the attractiveness versus kind of our capabilities. I think those are the two things we'd really want to evaluate. So the attractiveness being their size, um, you know, whether or not they're interested uh in they're not selling their own brand. Um, you know, are they growing? Could be something that we'd want to look at if we were to choose different retailers or coffee shops to sell through. Um, and sort of who are the other, if they offer different brands, um, what kind of competitors do they also offer? Um, so are they kind of same price point as us? We'd want to look at what's being sold. And I think that would apply to any new channels that we'd want to sell through. We want to look at the attractiveness of that versus looking at our capabilities of, um, you know, we do sell through some already. So, you know, if we sell there already, like already selling through those channels, um, that would definitely be a priority as well as, um, I don't like locations. Maybe we don't sell there, but we deliver very close nearby and it could be easy to do. Um, to kind of drop it off in a similar location Um, or like their delivery schedules, anything like that, that would work with our current operations. So I think we'd have to do more digging there, but overall it looks like we would, I don't think that we're going to be able to address the coffee shop market that much because I'm thinking it's mostly like Starbucks and things like that, that would sell their own, not 
beverage companies, coffee brands. I would say though that there are there is a hugely fragmented portion of that market. Like if mm-hmm. you look at where the prepack is currently being sold, there that would that would represent their lots of like you know mom and pop coffee shops. Mm-hmm. But that obviously is a different situation. Yes, and that mm-hmm. sounds kind of fragmented and difficult difficult to go after. So okay. a lot mm-hmm. of fixed cost, complex distribution channels. Um, it's possible that. The supermarket might be a larger segment of the 5%. So I think that's something we could dig into to maybe see if it's attractive. Um, but overall, I think we're seeing a lot of points that lead to maybe this isn't the most attractive market overall. So I think that at this point, their interested, Bevco is interested in an evaluation of what we should do with Power Up. Mm-hmm. What would be your recommendation after going through the analysis today? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me take a look here. I was writing down some of my key thoughts as I went. Um, I think it's pretty clear so far that we've seen it. It's uh, a lot of points aren't the most positive. So I would recommend that they don't proceed with the launch of Power Up um, for a few main reasons. So as we identified, it's a much smaller portion of the overall iced coffee market. Um, and it's kind of growing slower than some of those other segments. So it's not the most attractive market to begin with. But not only that, we need to hit 12.5% to hit our target, which seems pretty aggressive given that we're a number five beverage producer. Um, prices seem a little bit high. Their margins aren't uh, really strong. <laughs> so it's a lot of points kind of pointing towards this may not be their best opportunity. Um it seems like there is an opportunity to brand it as a healthy natural drink. So there's a couple positives, but overall I'd say it's um, going to be very difficult to hit their target that they're looking for. Um, if they are looking for growth opportunities, maybe they could explore alternatives um, such as, you know, how they can serve. I know when we first started talking about this, how they could serve the larger, like concentrated um, things that they could maybe sell to the retail segments yeah. mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the pre-packs or, um, you know, maybe other segments of the iced coffee market or sports drinks, things like that, that might um, be more attractive for them. Great. At this point. Fantastic. Awesome. You can Great. relax. Great. So what we'll do is um, just do a quick diagnostic. You're a coach. Mm-hmm. Coach yourself. What do you think? All <laughs> you know, right. How do you think it went? What did, you do? <laughs> what did you do well? And if you had the opportunity to do it over again, which of course we never do, but you know, wouldn't exactly. that be nice? Um, what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So kind of look at, let me just get my papers. I've got a bunch of papers here. So let me get these organized. Um, all right. So I'm going to start kind of at the beginning of this case. Um, so there's a bunch of information given. I didn't capture um, all of it, but mm-hmm. I think I got the main point. So I think that was okay. Interestingly, um, you that was probably the most uncertain part of your case was the opening, mm-hmm. just because there was so much information yes, there. and you're reading it pretty quickly. So yeah. I was trying to jot down like the main buzzwords, but I think I got the gist of it yeah. mm-hmm. um, as I went through. So that was pretty good, I think. Yep. I think I captured most of the information. Um, in terms of structure... Um, I think I was pretty structured going throughout this case. I was trying to do one sheet of paper for like my takeaways and the opening structure. I didn't come back to that structure throughout the case, which I could have done. Um, interestingly, you kind of did follow a a little bit on it and we touched on a lot of the key pieces, but we actually ended up going more through some of the sub segments as opposed to mm -hmm. the bigger categories. Yep. And that's not completely abnormal, especially in the McKinsey case when I'm (laughs) telling you what we're going to do and I'm not giving you a lot of the options. Um, I could have driven it maybe a little bit. It's different for a McKinsey case, but can kind of come back and drive when it, maybe you ask me a question later on. Um, I could say, well, let me think about if there's anything else that I missed or things like that. I could kind of reference back. The structure, yeah, yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't reference that too much throughout the case, but in a McKinsey case, that can happen at times. Um, 
Let's see. I like that I kept track of my takeaways as I went through that. That made it easier to summarize. Yes, I had all those down and I was synthesizing as I went. Would you say that this is a normal style that you use for your upfront kind of like master page? Yeah, I'll tell you to keep it like a one sheet because I did refer back to the prompt, I think, with the sugar um, and something else. I could have referred back to the structure more, especially in like a BCG or bank case. Mm -hmm. That would have helped. Um, But that one page is like a nice summary. I love whiteboards because you can see everything in one place. Because you can kind of get lost in all the stuff here. So like this is my homepage. It all comes back to that. Um, so let's see. Then we kind of went into the math. Yeah. Um, what, did you, what about the uh, like data interpretation in the math part? Mm. Yeah. So let's take a look at these exhibits. So I think I was kind of structured in going through the exhibits. I wrote down some notes here, but then I put the summary over here. Yep. So I think that was good. And I was trying to dive into um, these different areas. I, I think I asked some good clarifying questions to understand the data. I thought so too. Because um, it's kind of vague. They're not labeled really well. <laughs> so asking some questions yep. is good to make sure that I do that. Um, I think the insights I talked through for each of these, I think maybe a little bit more succinct on this one. That one kind of dove into some different areas. Um, but overall, okay, on the graphs. So as I was going through the math, um, I think one thing was I kept that pretty structured. Um, I was trying to think of my approach before I started and then kind of dive into each of those sections. Um, so I think that was pretty good. Uh, and then the insights and next steps, I think I got to some of those extra insights, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily that final number, but I think those are kind of telling in terms of framing the overall case. So kind of looking at those. I think so too. And in terms of uh, you know McKinsey's like quote level two insights, their thing that they always do is talk about <laughs> in the coaching, right? Mm-hmm. You know, going beyond the raw information. I thought that that was this stuff right here was like the best example of those level two insights because you were saying, hey, I, I got the information. And um, there are different ways that you could have done that. You could have said it when you got the information originally, or you could have said it at the end without rewriting it out. Mm-hmm. So just depending on time, there could have been other ways. I think you could have presented that. But these were amazing in terms of the actual numbers. I did laugh a little bit when you were doing that spontaneous <laughs> math, and you were like, 6%. Wait, hold on. You know, obviously, Close. that's like, when yeah. we're advising people, it's like, spontaneous math is dangerous. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was kind of a funny key takeaway. But overall, I really liked the way that you structured it. I thought it was super clear. Clear. I loved how you avoided incorporating the extra data that wasn't actually necessary. And I loved, loved, loved how you kept the um, gallons and bottles separate because uh, people just, uh, you know, have you noticed this in yes. your coaching, right? They <laughs> yeah. never write down the units or they miss that one piece. Units which... are way more important than anything, whether it's week, month, units, whatever it is. It exactly. Definitely <laughs> screw up on a case. <laughs> and McKinsey seems to love those more than yes. anybody. So, uh, yeah. so I thought that was a really great way that you handled that as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anything else overall? Mm. Um, the last question, um, in terms of, uh, how they go after the other category, yep. I think that one's a little bit different because it's, there's a lot of different nuances to that. So I was trying to structure that out and I came up with a couple buckets that I think worked, but um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that one? I mean, overall, I thought that it really made sense. I think the key thing was that that like I was pointing out a few of these along the way, so they kind of got peppered in there. But but assuming that Starbucks is like all of that um, coffee shop market, I think is they are a big player, but definitely not okay. big enough. Um, and then um, just talking about uh, I, what I liked was how you uh, kept bringing it back to like what what it would take, not just whether it was possible, but that it would take more fixed costs mm-hmm. um, to set it up. So I thought that was really clear. And I liked your structure that you put on the paper down there in terms mm-hmm. of the brainstorming with the, um, the you know, attractiveness and the capabilities. So I, I, overall, I thought it was really good. I just felt like there were some insights that you could have like, continued to mention as mm-hmm. we were going, but that's, that's normal. That I, we always think about those things afterwards. Know, afterwards. Right? <laughs> the one thing that I was thinking about was um, that I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this one, is 
if they need to spend more money that or they go after a smaller portion of the market, either way, that's going to impact their market share. Totally. So they're going to need even more percentage of the market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And even if they're going after the healthy natural drink market, like I don't have the percentage of, breakdown exactly. of those. Mm-hmm. So it could be that the healthy natural drink market is 2% of the 5% market. Exactly. Um, it's just an Ebert, even further. Well, then there. the final thing that I really liked that you did, which was very classic McKinsey, was your answer first answer at the mm-hmm. end. So you kind of said, hey, we've got all this information. My recommendation is not to go after it. Here's why. But then you went straight into the next step. So your conclusion was like textbook McKinsey. Um, obviously, as we coach people for the different styles, they can adjust that. But I really liked how you came out pretty strong um, with that. Interestingly, though, even though you led with it, you used very um, diplomatic language, can I say? <laughs> right? Yes. It wasn't like this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, the thing is, on a case, you never know. You don't it's know. It's a 40-minute version. There could be a lot more that you didn't know. So Absolutely. It's, it's, little bit open for maybe some further analysis. So you, I think, I thought you measured out the, like, very strong, this is a really bad idea, and presenting it as though this is probably not a good idea, and uh, and the combination of that was really good. So, yeah, thank you for all that you demonstrated. I thought that was really fun. Awesome. I hope you had fun going through it yes. in the hot seat. Always good being in the hot seat every now and then. <laughs> different side of the equation, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Please rate and review it and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have you listen in to future episodes. In addition, if you've got questions about joining Bain, jumping into the Bain process or case interviews, please find us at managementconsulted.com or reach out team at managementconsulted.com.